All right, punky peeps, good morning. It is Monday, and it's a glorious, beautiful day outside. Welcome to another episode of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. I hope you all had an amazing week last week and a great weekend. I had a good weekend. Uh, I went to a co-worker's wedding, and then that same night on Saturday, around 825 the power went out and went out all over the city where I live and it didn't come back on till about 1 a.m. and by then I was already falling asleep. Let me tell you um, it's always good to have candles around and we were a little unprepared. We had a couple flashlights and only one of them worked so yesterday my husband Jeremy went out and bought a bunch of flashlights so we are more prepared in case we have uh, another blackout like we did. So let me tell you that really takes you back when you don't really have any technology. I mean I had my phone and I played on that, I played on my laptop for a little bit, and then eventually my laptop battery went dead, my phone was going low. Yeah, not fun, you really, when you don't, I mean, when I grew up, I didn't have all the stuff that we have today as far as uh, electronics go. And uh, now, being without it, even for four hours, it's like, oh man, it's... It's not great, let me tell you. Alright, well, today I will be reviewing Season 1, Episode 7, Parents' Night, which aired on October 28th, 1984. That's about, what, three days from uh, Halloween? Yep. So, in this episode... This is episode summary. As the, uh, as the school's parent-teacher night approaches, Punky is led to believe by the snooty Margot Kramer that foster parents don't love their foster children as much as a regular parent would love their biological child. Punky begins to question Henry's love for her when he is constantly distracted by a dog food photo ad job that begins to consume his regular parenting duties such as accompanying Punky to Parents Night. This is really, um, this is a heartwarming episode, um, especially towards the end. So it really makes you look at the dynamic between the priorities of, of, of a parent, especially when it comes to their job and when a child has some an event at school or something and they want that parent to be there. So... Alright, let's get into this. Uh, the last podcast, I mentioned the episode question of the week, which was, did your school have a parents' night? If not, what was one of your proudest achievements in school that you came home and told your parents about? Artwork? A test you passed? A school play you were in? Well, I didn't get any replies, so I will offer a couple of mine. Now, this one I did mention before. When I was eight years old, I won the Young Authors Award in second grade. So I mentioned that one before. Also, in second and third grade, I made VIP for the month, which stands for Very Important Person. I got a bulletin board wall in the classroom filled with my childhood pictures, and my Aunt Debbie had come in for my time in second grade. And then in third grade, my dad showed up, which was really nice. 
Also, in early elementary school, at the end of the year, we had a field day complete with an outdoor boxed lunch, which was really awesome. My dad happened to show up for that one, so I kind of wonder maybe around that time he might have been working third shift. So, he was able to come. I also asked a bonus question for the episode two. What was the name of the dog food that Brandon is being photographed with? Again, no replies, no answers. That's all right. The answer to that question is Kibble's Cordon Bleu. B-L-E-U. All right, let's get into this episode. The episode begins with Henry photographing Brandon at Watermont Studios for Kibble's Cordon Bleu dog food. Alright, I also, I apologize if I yawn at all. I'll try not to. Um, I got up around, you know, nine, so I'm still trying to get the sleep out of myself, out of my body, and fully wake up. So, Brandon is donning a chef's hat and a red and white checkered bandana around the back of his neck. He looks so cute, and might I add how much bigger Brandon looks. It's been about six weeks since the show began, and if Brandon was probably about ten weeks old around the pilot, then he'd be probably about almost five weeks, or um, five months old. Is that right? Eight? Wait a minute, hold on, let me, (laughs) five months, no. So, it's been about five weeks, it's two uh, frickin' eh? Um, well, he'd be older. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I think he he'd be around probably. F- All right. Well, I did the math. He'd probably be right around uh four or five months old. Anyway. <laughs> All right, Brandon. Let's try it again. Henry tells Brandon one. Two, three, eight, Henry tells Brandon and takes a picture as Brandon looks off to the side. He's clear, the dog's clearly getting cues from his trainer off the set. Um, Henry comes over to him and says, listen, I realize you're a dog and I'm a person and we don't speak the same language, but I'm going to say this one more time. Eight. Henry yells, pointing to the kibble in the bowl. Here, I'll show you, Henry says as he picks up the bowl and mimes eating the food. Punky pops in the door and tells Henry he forgot his lunch. She sees him thinking he's eating the dog food out of the dish and says, Boy, I got here just in time. I'm trying to get your finicky mutt to eat, he tells her as he puts the bowl back on the table. If this magazine... Ad works out, that could lead to more work from the agency, and that could be more dollars in the cookie jar. That is, if I can get your pooch and his palate to cooperate. Okay, so he's clearly, he's, okay, he's working with an agency for uh, these gigs that they must be sending him. So, okay, so that's how he gets some of his work. All right. Hey, Henry, tonight's the big night, Punky tells him excitedly. Oh, yes, of course, and... What night would that be? He asks her distractedly as he's setting up the light for the shot. Parents' night at school, she tells him. Oh, parents' night. When is it? Tonight, she says. 
What's tonight? Okay, seriously, he must be beyond distracted to the point where short-term memory loss is kicking in here. Um, because she's told him, like, a hundred times. Parents' night! Parents' night! Parents' night! She tells him, exasperated. When is it? Tonight! 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 She yells. Oh. Henry, are you going Sinelli? That's senile. And no, I'm not. I'm just really busy right now. Henry walks over to Brandon, lifts up the bowl, and he does the here comes the airplane bit with him trying to get him to eat. But he just sits there. That dog food must be gross, then. If he's not eating it, then it must be some disgusting cheap imitation, like a store brand of dog food. Henry, you have to come tonight. Everyone else's parents will be there, she informs him. I've been telling everyone about you. I want to show you off. Oh, that's sweet. Now run off to school before you're late, Henry tells her. I take it she's now fully capable to go to school all that way on her own now, since uh, she clearly doesn't have a group of kids with her, and they don't have a chaperone to walk them, so she's must have graduated up to, okay, you're capable, you're, you know, another week older, you can go off to school on your own without a problem. Okay, Punky says as she walks towards the door. Henry notices Brandon chowing down on the food. Hold it, he tells Punky. What did you give him? Something he likes. What? Henry asks. Your lunch, she tells him as she skips out the door. Henry starts snapping away with the camera as Brandon devours the food. In the next scene, we see Punky sitting in class. This is the first time that we see her at school. I don't think we've ever seen a classroom setting so far. Also, her teacher, Mrs. Morton, is played by actress... Is it Dodie Goodman or Dottie Goodman? D-O-D-Y? She was actually she was in the movie Grease. And she also voiced Miss Miller in the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies, which I thought was pretty cool. I also noticed that Margot has a cast on her arm. I wonder if the actress Amy Foster broke her arm off set because I don't think it's it's not it's not mentioned at all in the episode about her arm. The teacher <clears throat> excuse me. The teacher comes to the front of the class and says And now, boys and girls, who can tell me the name of the scientific force that keeps everything stuck to the ground? she asks the class. I know, I know Margot shouts excitedly, waving her hand in the air. Of course, Margot being Margot has to be heard and seen above everybody else. Of course, the teacher must see this all the time because she completely looks over Margot's waving hand and calls on Cherry. Cherry slowly looks up, surprised at being called on. Uh, uh, crazy glue, she says unsure. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, that's one way that you can keep stuff on the ground. <laughs> well, that's me saying that. Mm. The whole class interrupts, the whole class erupts with laughter. No, dear, that's not what it says here in the book, as she points in her book. Someone else? She asks the class. Margot's hand shoots up again, shouting, I know, I know, I know! The teacher just looks at her like, please, no no more from you, Margot. Just, just please put your hand down. No, no. Punky, 
The teacher calls. No fear! Her hand wasn't up! Margot complains. Okay, alright, show of hands. Anyone else over Margot? Well, seriously, too bad because she is... We got her for three more seasons, guys. Two, three, and four. And three and four, she's going to be heavily prominent. So, may as well just suck it up and get used to her. That's because it was being held down by gravity. Punky tells her, also giving the answer. Clever girl there, yeah. I like that. She got the answer and a little quip in. Did anyone in school have a classmate who was an insufferable know-it-all that always had to have their hand up the first thing as soon as the teacher got done asking a question? <clears throat> well, I can't think of a know-it-all, but was I was in 7th grade science. There was this one kid who he seriously liked to bug the teacher all the time. You know, he was... He wasn't necessarily always getting the question right. He just asked these absurd questions all the time. And it would drive the teacher nuts. But boy, let me tell you, this kid went through a transformation and, and once he got to high school. You know, he was in seventh grade. He was kind of, I, I, I'm not going to say nerdy because that's a stereotype. I'm not going to go there with that, but you know, he, he was a, a, a well-to-do, nice, average dressed kid. Well, let me say, when he got to high school, he started wearing chains and dyed his hair pink with pointed spikes sticking up all over and yelling about white power. You know, he rode my bus. And sometimes when he had to sit with me, he would push me out, in, out of the aisle. He'd constantly be pushing me into the aisle out of my seat. I hated when I had to, you know, I always sat behind the bus driver, and if you don't know, sometimes that's where bad kids are forced to have to sit when they're being bad in the back of the bus, and the bus driver wants to keep an eye on them. So, usually they end up having to sit with me. I was not a fan. Anyway... The teacher congratulates Punky on getting the answer correct by saying, Very good, gravity, yes. I notice in the background Alan is making a paper airplane at his desk. I remember making those when I was in elementary school. That was kind of fun. I think he had to kind of pinch the, the tip part to kind of make it sail a little better or to make the wings on it. He had to do... A little something extra to make sure that it just kind of glides easily through the air. <laughs> and there we go. Okay. Margot has to add her two cents by saying, I knew that. When, uh, of course, uh, Punky gave the answer. <laughs> now, Alan, I haven't heard from you all day, the teacher says. Perhaps you could tell me the name of the man who first discovered gravity, she asks him. Well, I don't know his exact name, but I heard he's a really nice guy, Alan chuckles. <laughs> the teacher has to smirk at this. It's kind of funny. It's like she's kind of laughing to herself. Like, <laughs> that's kind of funny. And says, yes, I'm sure he is, was a very nice guy. But who can tell me the name of that nice guy? She asked the class. Margot again with a hand in the air screaming, me, me, me. Oh, God. 
<laughs> okay, if I were the teacher, I'd be like, okay, Margo, how would you like your broken arm to have a twin? Please put your hand down. No, I would never do that to a child. I'm kidding. Oh, please! Margo calls out. Oh, my goodness. Very well, Margo, the teacher gives in. Who discovered the force of gravity? It was Albert Einstein and his theory of gravitivity, Margo says proudly. <laughs> Alan looks so PO'd in the background. No, dear, that's incorrect, the teacher informs her. <laughs> Alan, of course, has got his fists over his mouth to cover up his hysterical giggling. Like, he is having a fit. He is so, this is just so hysterical to him. Incorrect? That's impossible, Margot challenges. I'm never wrong. You better check your book. She, she, she can't even accept when she's wrong. I don't need to check my book. If you had studied chapter 9, you would know that gravity was discovered by Sir Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton? I thought it was his brother Fig Newton, Punky says, which gets a laugh out of the class. <laughs> oh, the Fig Newtons. Oh, how yummy they are. The bell rings, singling the end of the day, and how the kids thrust their fists in the air, shouting, Yay! The teacher bows and says, Thank you! Thank you. I do my best. Such a sweetheart of a teacher. She's got a grandma type quality about her where she clearly is in this job for the kids and generally seems to enjoy teaching, which I like that. I like teachers that enjoy working with the kids and just they have a, a great time teaching them. Now, children, I'll see you all this evening for parents night as she walks away. Mrs. Morton, you forgot to give us homework, Margo says, waving her hand in the air. What a suck up that girl. Ugh. All the kids chant, boo, at Margo while pointing their thumbs down. Margo, we don't have time for homework. It's parents night, Punky tells her. We'll have plenty of time if we go straight home from school, do a our homework before we get changed, have our hair shampooed and blown dry, and get our socks ironed so we will look perfect for tonight, Margo tells the class. Please, Margo, spare us your beauty regimen. Thank you. I know, guys, I'm sorry. I'm hating on Margo a lot, but believe me, she deserves it for how she acts in this episode later. You will... Applaud me, I'm sure, for my Margo hate. Thank you, Margo, but I think Punky is right. We're all going to be nervous with our parents here tonight. I know I, for one, am going to be a total wreck, Mrs. Morton says. Oh, this poor lady, she looks, she is on the verge of a nervous breakdown. As she's dabbing at herself with her handkerchief. I can understand the stress for her parents wanting to know why why their child isn't performing well in class and they throw blame on the teacher. Oh, it happens, guys. And in this episode, too, I'll give you two guesses whose parents they are as well. I think we can all do without homework for one night, she tells them. Again, the children yell, yay, and thrust their fists in the air in celebration. 
Mrs. Morton dismisses the class, and when she leaves the room, the kids all throw paper airplanes, spit wads, and other things at Margot, who runs to the front of the classroom trying to block the things being thrown at her. Wouldn't you run out the door? Um, <laughs> honestly, you creatures are so immature, she shouts at them. Creatures, really? They're creatures? They're not children? Okay. Um... It looks like they're even opening their desks to throw stuff at her. Like, oh, wow, you're just throwing anything at this girl. In the hallway outside the classroom, Cherry asks Punky, Gee, Punky, how did you learn all that stuff about gravity? Well, one day I accidentally dropped a bag of apples on Henry's head. How, how okay, how did she do I was just kind of thinking, like, okay, how'd she do that? Unless he was bending down and she went to hand them to him and then the bag kind of like slipped from her hand and hit him on the head. Taught me all about gravity and ice packs. <laughs> she says. I hit my dad in the head with a baseball once and all he taught me was a bunch of words I can't use. Ellen tells them. Henry teaches me a lot of neat stuff. She tells them. Poor Punky. Sometimes she's so pitiful, Margot says as she walks out of the classroom. What are you talking about? Punky asks. Henry can't be the best dad there is, Margot says. Why not? Because he isn't your real father. Okay, guys, that Margot hate is simmering up and threatening to boil over now. That is so hurtful. She has really no right to say that. I know they're kids, but still. He's just a foster. Everybody knows that foster parents aren't as good as real parents. They don't care as much. Okay, Margo, how many foster parents and kids have you come around other than Punky? Seriously? That's not true, Punky yells at her. Henry cares about me. He went to court and fought for me. All your dad had to do was kiss your mom and wait around for nine months, Punky says, getting in Margo. She got in Margo's face. <laughs> Good dig, Punky. That's what I'm saying. Good dig, girl. Alan comes over and leans over Margo's shoulder and says, I bet after he kissed her, he barfed. Okay, Alan, seriously, don't push your buddy. But way to stick up for Punky. That's a friend there, buddy. Alan giggles hysterically, holding his hands up to cover his mouth. He, he He's always doing that. It's so funny. It's like whenever he laughs, he's like, he's got to cover his face. It's like, that's, that's kind of cute. Margo turns and straightens, giving Alan a hard look, and he immediately stops, standing up straight with a fear-stricken face. Make jokes if you will, but my real mother is waiting for me at my real home so we can cook a real dinner for my real father and not my foster father. Margot digs at Punky and leaves. Man, she seriously puts so much emphasis emphasis on the word real. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. Margot stops and looks back at them and Cherry, like, Makes a mood. She she like steps forward like she's gonna like run after Margot, and Margot squeals and runs around the corner. What pals she's got there? Punky's got there, and Cherry and Alan defending her. That is awesome. Those guys are good buddies. Don't listen to her, Punky. She's just jealous. Cherry tells Punky. 
I know. Wait till tonight. She'll see that Henry's the best dad in the entire universe, Punky tells them. Even Pluto? Cherry asks. Yeah, they don't, uh... How about Goofy? Alan jokes. Punky and Cherry answer this by skipping past him down the hall. Alan stands there for a moment and then takes off after them down the hall. Yeah, they don't know about Pluto just yet. When did that happen that they dis- um... It was discovered that Pluto was actually not a planet. I mean, how many years did that go on before someone finally discovered that? I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how that really went about and everything. But I am going to play you the first clip. It is um, of Margot telling Punky that you know, foster parents don't love their foster kids as much as regular parents do. So, I hope you enjoy the clip, and I will be right back. Poor Punky. Sometimes she's so pitiful. What are you talking about? Henry can't be the best dad there is. Why not? Because he isn't your real father. He's just a foster. Everybody knows that fosters aren't as good as real parents. They don't care as much. That's not true. Henry cares about me. He went to court and fought to get me. All your dad had to do was kiss your mom and wait around for nine months. I bet you after he kissed her, he barfed. (laughs) Make jokes if you will. But my real mother is waiting for me at my real home. So we can cook a real dinner for my real father. And not my... She's just jealous. I know. Wait till tonight. She'll see that Henry's the best dad in the entire universe. Even Pluto? How about Goofy? (laughs) In the next scene, guys, I hope you enjoyed the clip. In the next scene, we're back in the apartment and Punky is tying a bandana above her knee. I, I love, she's got these cute little mismatched tights on. So I love her outfit. These mis- mismatched tights, yellow and purple, and she's got a blue skirt. Oh, everything, the colors just, they complement each other. Absolutely, totally punky, totally beautiful. Eddie, if Henry doesn't get here soon, we're going to be late for parents' night, she tells him as she continues to pace. Yeah, when I get stressed out, if someone's late or something, I get, oh boy, do I get stressed. I don't know if I, I really pace, but I probably, uh, I got my cell phone, so I'll be constantly, like, bugging my husband. Are you here? Are you leaving yet? Are you leaving yet? Are you on your way? We're gonna be late. We're gonna be late. Oh, drives him nuts. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and I can't wait for him to see his new doorbell, Eddie tells her. He drops the screwdriver he was holding, and as he bends down to pick it up, Henry comes through the door, hitting Eddie square in the head. Ouch. I mean, that, that's gotta hurt it. I mean, boom. Head, head on right in the head. Mmm. Henry looks and notices Eddie, who says, Oh, hi, Mr. Warmont. I thought I heard someone knock. How come you didn't just ring your, door, your new doorbell? Yes, Henry. I did, Henry says, shutting the door, and when it closes, the doorbell goes off. It needs a little adjusting, Eddie explains. So do you, Eddie 
Henry tells him. Henry, you're late. Your TV dinner's getting cold, Punky tells him, handing him the plate. If you don't eat it soon, it's going to be frozen again. Punky, I, I don't have time for dinner. I'm very busy, he says as he takes the plate from her and sets it back on the table. What about parents' night? Punky asks hurtfully. When is it? Tonight, tonight, tonight! She practically screams at him in frustration. Look, okay, I know he's busy. He's got deadlines and all. I get that. But he made a commitment when taking her in, and being a parent means showing up and being there. It's not like he has to be there for long. Just make an appearance 30 minutes tops. I mean, if he can't spare 30 minutes, then he seriously needs to rethink this whole foster parent thing. I'm not bashing Henry. You know I love him. But seriously, priorities, guy. You need to get some. Alright, that's my dig at Henry. You know, you guys, you know I love Henry. He's a great... I, I wish, you know, he could be my grandpa, but, he, you know, he's dead. Um, okay. Oh, Punky, I can't make it, Henry tells her. When the camera shows Punky's face, you can practically hear her heart breaking. I only came home because I forgot my wide-angle lens as he walks behind the couch to get his lens off the shelf as uh, Punky follows him. You see, the agency moved up my deadline to tomorrow, so I'm going to be working all night finishing that magazine ad, he explains. How many pictures did he take of Brandon when Brandon was, was eating that food? I mean, I know you probably need a lot to compare to and get the best picture, but, my goodness. I mean, he was working... Well, actually, now that I think about it, this episode is set in an entire day. So, the beginning of the episode started in the morning. So, yeah, okay. I kind of get it. So, back in the 80s, was it customary for kids to be left alone a lot? I mean, I know all about latchkey kids. I kind of was one a little bit when I was nine on up to my teenage years. In the mornings, when my sister was in junior high... Or high school by that age. Um, and she was already gone to school. You know, her school bus would pick her up probably about sometime after 6 in the morning. My bus didn't come till at least sometime well after 7 o'clock. Dad was already at work because he worked the morning shift. He had to be there at around six, 5 or 6 in the morning. So I had to get myself ready in the morning. I had to get dressed, fix my own breakfast, and get on the bus. And when I came home, I was welcome to an empty house till after f about four or so when my dad would get home. It seems Punky's left alone a lot. I mean, I know Eddie was there this time, you know, because he had to take care of the doorbell. And sometimes she's watched by Mrs. Johnson. But then again, Punky is resource resourceful enough where she was completely on her own for three weeks. So why I, I'm not really complaining. I'm just kind of making a point. I mean, today's kids, no, you would not leave kids alone. It's not definitely not at eight years old. Because, you know, you could go to jail for that. That's neglect. But I just wonder, when did that become where some parents did that back in the day? Maybe kids back then were more older mentally than kids today. I I'm not sure when that shift happened, but anyway. But you have to come. Everyone else's parents are going to be there, she tells him. 
I'll come next time, alright? He assures her. Punky clasps her hands together and says, Henry, if you do this one favor for me, I'll never, ever, ever ask you for another favor as long as I live, she begs him. I'm sorry, Punky, but sometimes my work has to come first, he tells her. Typical workaholic dad right there. Putting work before the kid. There's a knock on the door and Eddie opens it and Cherry and Betty walk in. Eddie asks Betty why she didn't ring the doorbell. I did, she tells him as she closes the door and the doorbell goes off. Eddie says, I'll get it, and answers the door, seeing no one out there. He turns and says, boy, don't you just hate it when people ring your doorbell and run? Henry goes up to him angrily, and Eddie's like, well, I gotta run, and he leaves. What's the matter, Punky? Cherry asks. Punky doesn't answer. Something's wrong, Cherry senses. Mrs. Johnson, please take Punky to parents' night with you. I I can't make it, Henry asks her. What do you mean you can't make it, she asks. I have to work. Don't worry. I talk to Punky. She understands, Henry tells her. The camera zooms in on Punky's face, and let me tell you, if looks could kill, Henry would be on the floor from the daggers she's shooting him from that look. It's scary. You don't cross Punky or break her heart, and Henry right now is doing both. Have a good time tonight. Bye-bye. And with that, Henry is out the door. Well, I guess it's just us three sophisticated ladies. Come on, Punky, Mrs. Johnson says. Punky hops in the chair that Brandon normally sits in. Like, I'm having none of this. She's got a, I'm having none of this look on her face. I can't go, she tells Mrs. Johnson. I'll be the only kid there without a parent. Punky, Henry had to work. I I thought you understood, Mrs. Johnson asks. I understand. Margot's right. Foster parents don't care as much as regular parents, Punky confirms sadly. Cherry and Mrs. Johnson share a look of sadness for Punky. The camera closes in on Punky's face and she looks very near to tears. And the next scene, we're back in Henry's studio as he's shooting pictures of Brandon and the chef's house. Okay. Um, I gotta say, if I haven't already, poor Brandon, he's gotta be tired of wearing that hat and sitting up there. Has he been there all this time while Henry was at the apartment? I mean, did Henry give him a pee break, take him for a walk, throw a ball for him, or at least give him a treat? It's gotta be hard work sitting there in that get-up for what looks like 12 hours straight. That poor puppy. Henry stands up from behind the camera and works o- walks over to Brandon. Listen, you flea-bitten mutt. This account means money to me. If you don't start cooperating, this dog food is the last you're ever going to see as he points to the bowl of food. Dang, Henry, that's harsh. Chill yourself, guy. <clears throat> oh my god, it's like... You can almost see Brandon visibly gulping like, like, oh my god, this guy's going to kill me. (laughs) Oh my god, I just threatened a puppy's life. I'm going kibble crazy, Henry tells himself. Then there's a knock at the door. Thank goodness, a human being, Henry tells Brandon. Betty walks in the door. Henry turns to Brandon and says, well, close enough. 
What are you doing here? You're supposed to be at school with the girls, Henry asked gruffly. Listen, Henry, I don't have time to argue. You're coming with me to that school tonight. So get that ancient button gear, she tells him matter-of-factly. Mrs. Johnson, what I'm doing is not up for discussion, nor is the age of my gluteus maximus as he walks to the door and opens it. If Punky doesn't have a parent at that school tonight, your gluteus is going to be a lot more maximus. Now, come on. Now, come on, as she puts his hat on his head. How many times do I have to tell you that I can't come tonight? As he throws his hat down. He walks over to his camera, getting ready to take a picture as Betty stands in front of the camera, blocking his view. <sighs> Henry yells, frustratedly clenching his fist. I have to finish this layout, he tells her. Am I going to have to lay you out to make you realize how much you're hurting Punky? She threatens. Betty gets on his case. You go, Betty. He needs to hear this because right now his work is all-consuming and Henry's not realizing the damage he's doing to Punky's psyche right now. This is the first big event at her school since he won custody right now. Or since he won custody. Right now, he's got to prove something here. How much he matters to him. And Punky's got to show up that snooty Marco Kramer. This is me saying this, guys. Betty jumps on his case, and rightly so. Can't you see I'm doing this for Punky? If I can't find a way to increase my income, Punky may have to start wearing tennis shoes that match, he tells her. Alright, I'll give him that one. Because he is thinking of her in a financial sense. He's thinking of her well-being. Whoa! I was supposed to work tonight, too. And this is costing me money I can't afford. But I'll just have to add more water to the yesterday's soup. Because I know that being with Cherry tonight is more important than anything money can buy, Betty says. Punky knows how much I care for her. I don't have to go to parents' night to prove it, he says, leading her back to the door. No, you have to go to parents' night to save her bacon, Betty informs him. You see, there's a certain Miss Lottie Da, Miss Margot Kramer, who's told Punky a vicious lie. What did Margot tell her? Henry asks. That foster parents don't love their kids as much as regular parents do. We both know that's not true, Henry tells her accusingly. Well, Punky doesn't, Betty says, and with that she walks out the door. After she leaves, Henry walks over to his camera like he's going to start shooting pictures, but then he contemplates and considers Punky's situation and Betty's last statement. Alright, in the next scene, we're back at the school for parents' night, and there's a close-up of a fish in a fishbowl. Punky's crumbling up bits of cookie and sprinkling them into the fishbowl. Huh, I didn't know that fish were partial to chocolate chip cookies. Mrs. Morton is seen talking to Cherry and the two part. Cherry walks over to Punky and Mrs. Morton walks over to greet the parents. Then the camera pans over to the doorway. A sandy-haired man in a bow tie creeps around the corner with a boyish grin on his face. Then we see a blonde-haired woman with her hair pushed back with a hair tie complete with bow on top and a blue and white gingham blouse with a blue skirt and a red sweater hanging off her shoulders. She seriously reminds me of Alice from Alice in Wonderland, like practically the same getup. 
And of course, we have Alan popping out just below her in the corner of the doorway, and he takes their hands and guides them into the room. I love how Alan and his dad are dressed alike. They've got the same bow tie, the same dress shirt, and a members-only jacket. Alan walks over and pokes Mrs. Morton in the back, who lets out a yelp in surprise. Mrs. Morton, I wanted you to meet my mom and dad, Alan says proudly. Did you, if you had a parents' night, did you get that sense of pride when introducing your parents to your teacher? Like, hey, these are my parents. <laughs> now, I believe this is the only episode you will see Alan's parents in until, spoiler alert, his departure at the beginning of season three entitled Divorce Anderson Style. Oh, hi there. You must be Alan's mom and dad, Mrs. Morton says. Yes, we are, Mr. Alan says. And this is our son, Alan. Uh, wh- what? Um, what just happened there, Mr. Anderson? Um, are, are you okay? Did he just have a prelapse in memory here? Or are we led to believe they're making his parents kind of goofish like Alan? Hi there! Oh, Alan! She sees, she says like she's seen him for the first time. Mrs. Morton, I just love the way you've decorated your room, Alan's mom tells Mrs. Morton. Oh, thank you! You know I had to special order the wallpaper to go with my bedspread, Mrs. Morton tells her. (laughs) Alan's mom looks at her confused like, uh... Okay, um, no, no, I was talking about how you decorated your classroom, she corrects her. Don't be silly, dear, there's no wallpaper in here, Mrs. Morton says. That look of Alan, <laughs> Alan's mom's face is priceless, like, what? <laughs> and then Mrs. Morton takes her hand and leads her over to the other parents. The next, uh, the scene moves over to the snacks and refreshments table as Cherry tells Punky to cheer up and says, Stuck up Margo isn't even here. Oh yeah? Look. Punky points to the door as Margo makes a grand entrance announcing the Kramer's arrival. Hello everyone! The Kramers are here! We can start now! Margo announces to the room. Ugh! Ugh! Her parents walk in, her well-to-do dressed for success in her all-business-like manner attire mother and her subservient banker-looking suit-and-tie father. Judging by this pair of parents, it's clear who wears the pants in this marriage. Now, you might not recognize him, but Margot's father is played by Ernie Sabella, who voiced... Pumbaa and Disney's animated movie The Lion King in 1994 and its two sequels as well as Timon and Pumbaa the cartoon in 95 and now in The Lion and now in The Lion Guard on Disney Junior as well as he acted on shows like Saved by the Bell, Perfect Strangers and he was the naked man in the Seinfeld episode the Subway episode Margot's father gets a complete redo when he appears in season four. This is a spoiler, guys. I'm sorry for the spoilers, but he appears in season four's No, No, We Won't Go episode where her father buys the apartment building 
Punky and Cherry live in and increased their rent beyond reasonable affordability. Not only is he played by a different actor, Thomas Calloway, but he has a name change as well. Instead of Elroy, he's Benjamin J. Kramer. What? Did her mother marry her brother-in-law? What happened to the other guy? Why was his name changed? Did they think we wouldn't notice? Okay, more on that when I get to season four around, it's going to be probably late 2018 or early 2019. If I'm going, if I'm doing this weekly, that's probably how long it's going to take. Mrs. Morton comes over and introduces herself. Hello, Margot. These lovely parents must be your mom and dad. As Mrs. Morton dabs at herself with a handkerchief, she's clearly nervous and rightly so. I mean, just look at Margot's mom. I mean, she, yikes, she scares even me. Welcome to the third grade, Mrs. Morton says, putting out her hand. Mr. Kramer goes to shake her hand, but Mrs. Kramer stops him, cutting him off with her hand and goes in for the handshake. I must tell you, Mrs. Morton, I'm extremely disappointed in Margot's performance this year. Uh, first of all, it's late October, so the year school year has just begun, and second of all, why isn't Margot in private school? It seems like that's where her mother would want her to give her the best education instead of public school. Thirdly, don't you dare blame Mrs. Morton. She is a sweetheart. Granted, maybe she should soon look at retirement, but I think these kids are her life. She could be a widow or have no children of her own, and these children give her the motivation to keep going. If a child is not doing well at school, look at the child first, then the teacher, then the environment that they're in. But no, Mrs. Kramer plows right into exit accusations and Mrs. Morton is squarely in her crosshairs. But Margot is one of the best students we have in class, Mrs. Morton interjects assuredly. Oh yes, putting a hand on Margot's shoulder proudly. We had hoped for a better class, Mrs. Kramer says, shutting Mrs. Morton down. Margot nods in agreement. Now, dear, Margot has done better under Mrs. Morton than any other teacher, and she certainly seems to enjoy this class, Mr. Kramer says. Mrs. Kramer is looking at him like, did I give you permission to speak? How dare you address me in public? I think I seriously hate her more than Margot. And she's actually going to show up for a couple more episodes later this season, so I don't know. Maybe she'll have some redeeming qualities. We'll have to wait and see. Mrs. Kramer looks at her husband. Are you contradicting me? She asks. No, dear, he says. You know how I hate to be contradicted, she tells him. Yes, dear, he says. Well, it certainly was nice talking to you. I'm so glad I came. Mrs. Morton walks away, dabbing at her face. Punky, Cherry, and Alan and his parents are at the refreshments table when Margot comes over. Bonsoir! Bonsoir, people. Sorry I'm late, but we were dining at one of the finest restaurants in Chicago. Chez hmm. Antoine, Mrs. Kramer pipes in. Nothing's too good for our Margot, right, Elroy? N nothing, dear, he assures her. Uh, oh, seriously, oh, gag me, gag me, please. We feel the same way about our Alan, Mr. Anderson says. That's why when we went to McDonald's, he asked for the largest order of chicken McNuggets. We said, 
What the hey? How many times a year is there a parents' night? Five, maybe? I'm guessing he wanted a 20-piece. I mean, I don't think they go... I don't think they go any higher than that. Did he eat a 20-piece? That's a lot of nuggets. What? No apple slices? No jug of milk to go with it? Oh, that's right. We weren't as health-crazed back then as we are now. I'm sure they weren't worried about Alan becoming obese after consuming a Happy Meal. Margot cringes at this and her parents just look at each other like... Who are these people? Oh, Mrs. Kramer, I just love your outfit. Did you get that pattern at Kmart? Which is actually closed now in my state. Mostly all the Kmarts are gone. All the stores. I believe now that this can be considered a dated reference. Okay, even I had to face palm at her remark. Nice as it was, though, it most likely was an insult in Mrs. Kramer's eyes. And the Allersons have the gall. Okay, <clears throat> she doesn't even answer. She just puts a hand on Margot's shoulder, and she and her husband turn around and walk out. And the Andersons have the gall to follow them. Oh, jeez. Punky, I don't see you with anyone of a parental nature. Margot digs at chair or er, at Punky. Henry couldn't come, Punky says with downcast eyes. I figured he wouldn't. In fact, I'd be willing to eat this goldfish if he had shown up, Margot says. Okay, then watch yourself there, Margot. Why is that goldfish on the table with the refreshments? It seems seriously so wildly out of place. Which, that is actually going to come back in the end of the episode. Spoiler! So that's why they had to put it there. Henry had important work to do, Punky says, defending Henry. Oh, of course. My father's... Hold on, let me start that over. Oh, of course, my father said nothing on earth could keep him from coming here tonight, Margot says. Well, um... Uh... Um... Henry would be here, too, if he was on Earth. But he's not. He's... He's... Up in space, Punky stalls. What do you mean, up in space, Margot says, not believing a word of her story. He's on... He's on... Astronaut, Punky says, making this up as she goes along. She's seriously really digging herself into a hole here. Punky... Cherry interjects, yes, seriously, P Cherry, please step in before Punky incriminates herself any further with this charade. Someone, seriously, they need to save face here. Henry's too old to be an astronaut, Margot chastises. Alright, not true, Margot. Henry's only 60 years old. John Glenn, I looked it up, is the oldest guy to fly in space at 77. Granted, that was in 1998, and 14 years after this episode aired, but still, she's being prejudiced against old people. He's just making history as the first old man in space, Punky informs her. What's he doing, wearing an orthopedic space suit? Margo asks. Punky gets right in Margo's face again. For your information, he's up in space being a space hero, she says proudly. Gee, I didn't know the space shuttle was flying, Alan says. He left the airport tonight. He caught the red eye, clarifies Punky. Margot rolls her eyes and turns to 
rolls her eyes and uh, is crinkling her nose in disgust as she asks, Tell me the truth, Cherry. Is Henry really an astronaut? I heard him tell my grandma he wanted to send her to the moon, Cherry says, shrugging her shoulders. I'm not buying this for another minute. Why would the United States of America send an old photographer up in space? Margo asks. Um, you mean you were buying it at all, Margo? As I shake my head. Hmm. Because this is the top secret part. He's taking photographs of the mysterious planet Kiblon. What is with the weird look on Alan's face after Punky says that? Is he trying to intimidate Margo or is he genuinely freaked out with what Punky said? Hi, kids. You having a good time? Mrs. Johnson asks as she walks over to the group. Great time. Let's go home, Punky says enthusiastically. Punky starts to walk forward, but Margo puts a hand to stop her, saying, Not so fast. Of course, Margo wants clarification and is going to go to another source to suss out the truth, and who better than an adult? Mrs. Johnson, what does Mr. Warnemont do for a living? Margo asks. Oh, he has a very important job, or he'd be here right now. But he's working in the studio taking pictures of dog food, Mrs. Johnson tells her. Oh, cringeworthy, absolutely. Poor Punky. Her face when she says, her face when she sees her lie has caught up to her is comical. It's a cross between a grimace and an I gotta go face. There was no need to lie, Punky, Margot tells her. We all know that Henry didn't care enough to come. After all, he's just a foster. Margot grins cruelly. She really does. What is her deal? <clears throat> and to add insult to injury, Mrs. Morton claps her hands to get the attention of the children and tells them it's time to introduce their parents to the class. So join hands, bring them up, and tell us how you met. Uh-huh. As the parents surround Mrs. Morton, Punky sadly hangs out in the doorway and then walks out into the hall. In the next scene, we see the man of the hour, Henry, walking down the hall of the school. He tries the door, he tries the closed door, but it's locked. He turns and sees Punky's green bandana sticking in the door frame of the supply closet, and he opens the door and she backs away frightened, but then realizing it's him, she looks up with hurt in her eyes. Punky, Henry says surprised. What are you doing in the janitor's closet? I wanted to be alone, she says. How come? Because I was already alone. I know. That's why I decided to come to parents' night after all, he tells her. You didn't have to. I'm sorry I disappointed you, Henry says. I didn't realize how much it meant to you. Well, you know, I've been thinking about it. I should stop caring about things so much, she says. I see. Do you want to come out here so we can talk about it? He says. No, Punky says. Do you mind if I come in? It's a free closet, she tells him. As Henry comes in and closes the door, a mop falls down in front of him, blocking his way. He pushes it aside. No wonder cleanliness is next to godliness, Henry says to himself. Henry sits down on the floor. 
Now what's all this talk about not caring anymore? He asks her. Whenever I care about somebody, they always let me down. First my father, then my mother, now you, she tells Henry. It feels bad, and I'm tired of feeling bad, she says. To be let down by so many people, especially the ones that are biologically responsible for you, and at such a young age, and now to have Henry do the same, has got to be seriously psychologically damaging to her. Oh, I understand. You're saying that you want to build a wall around yourself. That way no one can get inside to hurt you, Henry says. Right, Punky tells him. You know what the problem with that is, he says? What? she asks no one can get inside to love you he tells her oh my goodness Henry I love you right now you seriously you hit me right in the feels just that raw honesty between them getting to the heart of the matter I love that they are starting to communicate their problems and really open up to each other Punky came to Henry with all this emotional baggage and scarring and sometimes he gets so wrapped up in his before punky life that he doesn't stop to realize that he is contributing to the cycle or pattern of abandonment issues that she carries with her. Do you know why I fought so hard to be your foster parent? Henry asks her. No, but I've been wondering. Well, pull up a pail and I'll tell you, he says. Punky finds one and sits across from Henry. When my wife died, I was shattered. I couldn't stand the pain. I built a wall around my feelings and wouldn't let anyone come close to me. And then I met you. And you made me feel again. You were the first one to break down that wall, he tells her. I'm pretty good at breaking things, she says. You sure are, Punky. Because when I hear you say that you're going to stop caring, it breaks my heart. Punky smiles at him. I love you. I love you too, he tells her as she hugs him. You all out there listening can't see this, but I was crying when I was watching the scene last night. I, I, oh. It was just breaking me up. I just, I felt like between Soleil Moonfry and George Gaines, I could feel that connection between them as they were as they were playing out that scene. Like this older man, you know, he never got to have kids with his wife and to lose her so suddenly and then just to put a wall around himself. And then this little girl comes in into his life and she needs someone as much as he needs someone and they found each other and it just it's so beautiful hmm okay I think the dust in here is making me tear up do you want to go outside and get some fresh air she asks him as she helps him up and opens the door leading him out and they walk to the classroom alright I'm gonna it's a little bit of a, uh, a long clip. I might cut it a smidge to where, you know, they're sitting down and having that conversation to make it a smidge shorter. We'll, we'll see. But I want to play it for you 
Henry and Punky's heart to heart in the in the janitor's closet because it's it's so sweet. And really me just reading it here is not doing it justice. I swear, I bet when you guys listen to this, your eyes are going to tear up too because mine are tearing up right now just talking about this. So I will play that clip and then I will be back shortly. Punky, what are you doing in the janitor's closet? Wanting to be alone. How come? Because I already was alone. I know. That's why I decided to come to parents' night after all. You didn't have to. I'm sorry I disappointed you. I didn't realize how much it meant to you. Well, you know, I've been thinking about it. I should stop caring about things so much. I see. You want to come out here so we can talk about this? No. Do you mind if I come in? Free closet? wonder cleanliness is next to godliness. One could get killed in here. <laughs> now, what's all this talk about not caring anymore? Well, whenever I care about somebody, they always let me down. First my father, then my mother. Now you. Feels bad. I'm tired of feeling bad. Oh, uh, I understand. You're saying that you want to build a wall around yourself. That way, no one can get inside to hurt you. Right. You know what the problem with that is? What? No one can get inside to love you. Do you know why I fought so hard to be a foster parent? No, but I've been wondering. Pull up a pail and I'll tell you. When my wife died, I was shattered. I couldn't stand the pain. I built a wall around my feelings. I never let anybody come close to me. Then I met you. You made me feel again. You were the first one to break through that wall. I'm pretty good at breaking things. You sure are, Punky. Because when I hear you say that you're going to stop caring, it breaks my heart. I love you. I love you, too. I think the dust in here is making you tear up. Want to go outside and we can get some fresh air? Okay, back in the classroom, Alan is telling Mrs. Morton, I'm not sure how I met my parents. I just woke up one day, and they were there. His parents just stand there and nod in agreement. Punky comes through the door, pulling Henry behind her. Hey, everybody, look who's here. This is Henry, my foster dad. Punky proudly says, Mr. Warnemont, you are tardy. I hope you have a good excuse, Mrs. Morton asks. Certainly, Mrs. Morton. I had to tear down some walls. He tells her, well, everyone else used the door, she says. 
Punky walks over to Margo, holding up the goldfish and saying, Hey, Margo, I hope you like sushi. And that is the end of the episode. As it, the camera freeze frames on Punky's face as the credits come up. Now, it is time to give out my Brandon Tailwig episode rating. I give this episode four out of five Brandon Tailwigs. I knocked off a wag for Henry's gruffness with Brandon over the photo ad. Alright. For, uh, basically I gave the rating... For uh, Cherry and Alan defending Punky to Margot, Brandon looking adorable in the chef's hat, Punky getting on Henry's case about neglecting Punky on parents' night, and also for Henry and Punky's heart-to-heart conversation. Now, it's time for the segment, Punky Peeps Around the World. Maybe one day I'll get a sound effect for that. It'd be kind of cool. Where I give a shout-out to my new listeners for the week. We have Minneapolis, Minnesota, Muskegon, Michigan, Mountain View, California, Washington, North Carolina, Scottown, Ohio, Kansas City, Missouri, and just today we have Glen Burney, Maryland. All right. Thank you all. To all the, the new listeners, not just you guys, but everyone in general, those who go to SoundCloud, who listen on um, other websites or apps, and iTunes. Thank you, thank you. Alright, are you ready for a new episode question of the week? Episode of the week question. Now these two next episodes are going to be the last of the many 12-minute episodes. The next is for Season 1, Episode 8, Part 1. I'm calling it Part 1 because it's, you know, the first one of the last two mini-episodes entitled Go to Sleep. Alright, here's the question. And this is a little, you know, a series of a few questions all kind of grouped together as one. What was your bedroom ritual as a child? Did you have a story read to you or a bedtime snack? Or maybe both? What about glow-in-the-dark stickers on your ceiling or a noise machine to help you go to sleep? Did you count sheep? I never counted sheep, but as an adult, I have to have a fan going. Not blowing at me, but I like that kind of white noise. When um, the power was out Saturday, and it, it was supposed to originally be restored at 11 p.m. It went out about 8.30. It was supposed to come on at 11. It was getting to 11. It wasn't coming on. And then Consumers Energy said that it wouldn't be on until 1 a.m. So it's like, this is going to be a pain in the butt trying to get to sleep because I usually have my fan going for the noise. And of course it was a pain in the butt, but lo and behold, 1 a.m. came and the power was back on. I'm like, all right, turning the fan on. Now I can go to sleep. <laughs> well, I also do use a sleeping pill to help me get to sleep because I can't shut my brain off at night. Alright. How about as an adult? What bedtime rituals do you have now? Do you look at your phone? Watch TV? Watch Netflix? Read? Do you also have a snack before bed? Do you use the same methods to fall asleep as you did as a child? 
So those are the, the questions episode of the week. Um, you can feel free to, I will post this on Instagram at Punky Power PB Podcast. You can comment there. Uh, also, Punky Brewster's uh, Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster Facebook page. I will post it there so you guys can comment there. You uh, And also on Twitter. Um, also, if you want to email me your stories, you can go to Punky Power PB Podcast at gmail.com. Now, here is the episode bonus question for those of you that if you want to go to the YouTube site and then um, search for Punky Brewster Go to Sleep episode, uh, this question for that is, what two shows did Henry let Punky stay up and watch? Thus, you can also, you know, comment on the social media sites. I will have it posted there. Or you can also email me, like I said. Alright. Well, if you guys love this episode, let me know how you feel. You can go visit me at any of the social media sites that I listed. They are listed and have links on the SoundCloud account. So you can go there. Um, If you have any punky memories... Or any fun stories, punky related. You know, when you were a child watching the show, did you dress like punky? And did you have a dog named Brandon? <laughs> um, just email me at punkypowerpbpodcast at gmail.com and I will read your story on the air and make you an official punky peep of the week. Also, like I said, if you enjoyed this podcast, go to iTunes and let me know how you feel you know rate five stars whatever you feel comfortable with five stars would definitely help and you know that way we can get that podcast out there more noticeable by others that want to enjoy it and listen to it all right until next time punky peeps let your punky power shine on as we start the week keep your chin up and stand tall and proud of who you are, and don't let people get you down. Stay positive. Even a smile can brighten someone's day or a nice comment if you see someone who needs cheering up. See you next week.